You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Welcome to the Matt Walsh Podcast. Thank you for uh, listening. Thanks for being here. Now, um, I want to talk about... Oh, I don't want to talk about anything, to be honest with you. It's been a very disappointing um, decade, century generation but particularly with everything that's been going on with Donald Trump and I, and I wrote something uh, this week about the so-called conservative leaders in media and uh, politics who sold out to Trump and of course if I wanted to compile an exhaustive uh, blacklist I, I would need to add another 45 50 pages to an already uh, pretty lengthy you know post and, of course, we get into it. All, all these people, all these conservative um, opinion givers who um, have legitimized Trump, sold out to Trump, you know, whether talk radio, uh, cable news, bloggers, you know, everyone that's in the, the, the opinion-giving industry that I'm in, too. You know, I'm not as prominent as a lot of these people, but this is what I do for a living. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's got me to th- thinking about this industry. And it is an industry, by the way. Uh, we, we, we supposedly are defending conservative ideas. We're defending principles. But it's, a, it's an industry. It's a business. And a lucrative one. And so I've been thinking about this business. And a couple things I wanted to say about it. That, you know, first of all, the list of, uh, of sellouts would, of course, we know about the people now, Sean Hannity, Ann Coulter, Laura Ingram, you know, th- those people, there's a lot of them. Just all out shills for Trump have been from the beginning, for the most part. But the list of sellouts would grow longer if we included the conservatives in the commentating class who haven't endorsed him, um, but have supported him implicitly by remaining silent or who oppose him now, but legitimized him in the beginning by taking his silly, you know, insincere war against the establishment seriously, uh, talking about how, and and you'd be surprised, some of the most viciously anti-Trump, never Trump people now, again, commentators, pundits, whatever, if you were to look at what they were saying on social media or, or writing or saying on cable news back in July, August, October, uh, September, um, you'll find that, that many of them were talking about how Trump is refreshing and he's saying what needs to be said and he's politically incorrect and it's so exciting and blah, blah, blah. Just gushing about it, about his political incorrectness and his boldness and his truth telling, yada, yada, yada. And they knew better. That's the thing. 
they knew better back then. They weren't actually refreshed by Trump. <laughs> they didn't find him refreshing. They knew that Trump wasn't saying anything that they themselves haven't said a billion times. And that uh, almost every, every conservative in, the cons- in conservative Inc. says all the time. It was, not, it was nothing refreshing or, oh, wow, I can't believe someone's finally saying it. He never said anything like that. The only thing that, that things that Trump has ever said that are really like, wow, uh, I can't believe he said that, or, you know, that's the first time I've heard that. The only time that he says things in that, it, it's, when he's, it's, it's when he says something that's truly horrendous or untrue or, or, or you know, just as Marco Rubio said, not, not or, or actually, I, actually, I think I said it, and Marco Rubio might have plagiarized me, but um, not, not politically incorrect, but just incorrect in general. So those are the only things that he's ever said that are, wow, I can't believe he said that. But as far as just the standard sort of conservative uh, opinions about this and that, he's, he's just repeating what he's, what he's, what he's heard talk, talk radio hosts say. So anyway, these people are on the right side of the discussion now. But they should realize that they helped create this monster. And uh, they know why they helped create it. They praised a man who deserved no praise. They gave credence to his phony WWE shtick because they were afraid of upsetting their audience and because they were enticed at first anyway um, by the ratings and traffic that came with saying the popular crowd-pleasing things about Trump and his rabid disciples. And my point is not to hold a grudge against those who handled this poorly in the beginning. My point is to simply highlight how badly conservative Inc. botched this thing with a few exceptions i mean just a few really our celebrated conservative opinion givers failed to demonstrate from the beginning the kind of foresight courage prudence and wisdom a person ought to have if thousands or millions of people look to them for leadership and insight and this is not the first time either far from it our principles and ideas um as conservatives are clearly not winning, okay? We're not winning hearts and minds at a, uh, reclaiming the culture at the rate that we want. Um, this isn't all the fault of so-called conservative leader, leaders, but, it, but it's also not exactly a badge of honor for them. And I think if these people were primarily concerned with saying what needs to be said, fighting for truth no matter the cost, we may be in a very different situation. But many of them chase ratings uh, over truth. They whip their audiences into frenzies and, and, and so they can exploit the outrage. This is not the case for every conservative opinion giver, COG, C-O-G, from, from, from here on out. But it is the case for many. And, you know, I, I was already disappointed with the, uh, the COGs and... Again, I'm, I, I know I'm in this group. This is what I do. I realize that. I'm not, I'm not trying to separate myself or act like I'm, you know, above it or whatever. I was never a Trump fan. I've been, I, I got that one right. I could say that. I got that one right from the beginning. But I am still part of this. Okay? And I was already disappointed in us um, before Trump mania kicked into turbo gear. Uh, for many reasons, but you know, here's one: we we seem to have forgotten about it now. But but back in the summer, 
If you recall, there was a group called the Center for Medical Progress, which released a series of dramatic videos revealing widespread criminal conduct among uh, high-ranking Planned Parenthood officials. And Conservative Inc. hammered, the COGS hammered on this topic for a short while, maybe a day or two, before relegating it to a, a third or fourth tier news item. And by the time the fifth and sixth undercover videos were released, many prominent conservative media folks had given up on the story entirely. They pretended to push a sort of defund Planned Parenthood movement, but they quickly abandoned it when the audience lost interest. And now many of them are supporting a presidential candidate who explicitly promises not to defund the, quote, wonderful Planned Parenthood, as he calls it. But they should have obsessed over the story. They should have been relentless about it. And so often I, I find this to be the case. That there are issues, there are things, there are stories that these conservative leaders, these cogs, should be, should be uh, intensely focusing on, and they don't. And in the case of Planned Parenthood, just as an example, they should have mobilized, turned up at rallies, marches, shouted from the rooftops about it for months on end. Because if you're a conservative, you believe that Planned Parenthood is a tax-funded organization that murders 330,000 human beings a year and then turns around and sells their body parts for profit. So how does a conservative with a massive audience not bring that up constantly? You have an access to millions and millions of people. And you allegedly believe there's an ongoing genocide happening in our own neighborhoods. How do you justify only mentioning it, mentioning it on the, the rare occasion that it surfaces to the top of the news cycle? And I know different people concentrate on different kinds of topics, but if you are profiting off of conservatism and conservative values, supposedly, you know, if this is your business to defend them, how could this not be something that you bring up all the time? If you really believe it. If you really believe, and I, like I do, and like you do. If you really believe that there is a genocide happening in our country right now. A million human beings, babies being killed right now as we speak. Over the course of the next year. If you really believe that and you, and, and, and you have an audience of millions or thousands of people that trust you and listen to you and can be mobilized by you and that they look to you specifically as someone who will talk about things like this, how do you justify not obsessing over it? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. But this is how our conservative opinion givers operate often. Not in every case, but often their opinions are calibrated based on the mood and interest level of the general public. And, um, and you know, something like abortion or the Planned Parenthood issue, it's just, it, it, it's, uh, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable to hear about. It's, it's not something that's at the, the, the top of the news cycle very often. And when it is, like with the Planned Parenthood thing, it doesn't stay there very long. So uh, that's why it's not discussed by a lot of these conservatives, or at least not discussed often. And so I think, even before the Donald Trump thing, and even before Planned Parenthood, just, of course, it's been evident 
It's not a revelation. That a lot of people who pretend to lead the movement, particularly the ones that are in media or you know on the internet or radio, politicians as well, that a lot of these people are are more interested in, more interested in promoting themselves, getting attention, getting money, being popular. You know that that's a very real. I don't have to tell you this again. I know I'm not. Um, uh, you know this isn't breaking news. Anything I'm saying, these are not searing insights. But um, the, of course, we know the money is a huge temptation or a huge thing that drives people. But but the the, the, the desire to be popular, you know, not just famous but popular and loved by many people. That, it's a very powerful desire and a weakness because we should never be motivated by that by popularity but it is it's very powerful and you know the thing is i've experienced it as um and this is the only reason why i hesitate to put myself in this category the conservative industry i hesitate to do it not because i'm trying to absolve myself but only because it feels uh i don't know um it, it, it feels uh, arrogant in some ways because I'm not Rush Limbaugh, okay? I'm not famous. I, I can usually walk down the street and no one stops me and says, hey, are you Matt Walsh? Sometimes that happens, but, but not very often. Um, so I'm not at the same level, but I am in that, you know, world at a lower level. And I, I, and I do have uh, an audience with my writing. I have an audience, a, a large audience, much larger than I could have ever imagined that I would have. I mean, absurdly large. Again, not as large as some of these other guys, but still, for me, incredibly large audience of, uh, of people who, who care what I think and want to hear what I think and consider me to be, you know, someone, someone. Maybe not, uh, maybe not the, the biggest star in the universe to them, but, but the, I'm someone to them. And so I've experienced a little, I've experienced this some, even on that level. This kind of, it, it can be intoxicating, that sort of popularity, that attention. You feel affirmed by it. And I think after a while, you begin to depend on it. And you can't imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have that, if you were just a, just a normal person walking around. If, um, you know, you wanted to give your opinion or your insight into something and you just had to talk to whoever's in the room with you instead of being able to go on the radio or TV or on the Internet even and, and say it to a bunch of people and, and, and have them really care like, oh, you know. And so people will do this. I think you become intoxicated by that. You become addicted to it. And then it becomes dangerous because you don't want to lose it. And the fact is, we, we know this from, from uh, as Christians, we know this. Jesus said, you know, if you stand for truth, of course I'm paraphrasing here, but if you stand for truth, people are going to hate you. They're not going to want to hear it. So if you really stand for truth, it's like you, you can't prioritize truth, that's what I care about, and your popularity, your money, and everything at the same time. You can't put them on the, on the unequals playing field. Because you're going you're gonna to reach points 
where you have to choose one or the other. Where you stand by one at the expense of the other. And it can be really difficult. And I'm talking about me as just a lowly, as just lowly me. But I can only imagine if I was, you know, if I was Rush Limbaugh. Incredibly famous and just everyone likes you, right? Not everyone, but you've got millions of people who respect you. The notion of losing that has got to be traumatizing, really. And so I think a lot of these guys, um, you know, they reach a point in their career. You know, maybe it's one moment, a series of moments, where they're made to choose between truth or popularity. And they choose popularity. And then another choice comes along, and, and they choose popularity again. And after a while, and it's not that they're, you know, because they're choosing popularity, they're, they're telling outright lies all the time or... You know, they're completely waffling back and forth on what they believe. If they did that, they would lose the audience. But just making little compromises. Saying, you know, I'm not going to go too hard on that topic. I'm not going to say that. I'm, you know, I think this is important, but I'm not going to say it. Okay, this is the top of the news cycle. I'm going to talk about that instead of this, even though I think this is more important. You know, just those kinds of things. Series of decisions. But they become, but they're uh, cumulative. And then finally, I think we reached Donald Trump, which was a big moment. A big moment of, are you going to stand by your principles or are you going to go all in for popularity and essentially abandon all of your principles? It's not just a small compromise. It's just you're throwing them all to the side for this guy. And uh, I think a lot of people at that point, because they were conditioned, because this is what they've been doing for a long time for the sake of maintaining their, their livelihood, their, their fame, their money, uh, the ratings, it was it was an easy choice. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm going with I'm going with uh, I'm going with popularity. And so I think we need to just realize this. Be careful who we trust, who we listen to. Um, be careful who we we rely on to be defenders of conservative principles and, and conservative ideas. Because a lot of the people who we think are you know, invested in, 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 in defending those ideas are really just invested in themselves. And we just need to realize that. So, that's all I got. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. I'll you next week.